All right, it's great to be here this morning. Uh, like Rod said, it's been about four years since I've preached here. <clears throat> so I'm on the home turf, right? It's, it's got to be a good one. First John 4 is probably going to be a good one. It's pretty meaty material. I do have to say, like, I am so refreshed to be coming to Ramsey Creek. Um, something about this church, I think the Lord is really blessing the people here, the teachers here. We're talking about false teachers, but I'm not seeing a lot of false teachers in this church, so uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, it's really refreshing just to be able to be a part of this church, um, so thank you guys for loving on us. We came out of a situation that uh, was a lot more difficult, to say the least, and to be here is just really encouraging and refreshing. So so let's begin. You can go ahead and flip to First John chapter 4. We're just going to go through the first six verses title of this sermon is Overcoming Deception. So we're talking about false teachers. We're talking about what that looks like, Um, not just what the false teachings of the world are, but the false teachings in the church as well. Um, And as I begin, brothers and sisters, we live in an age of tolerance. Rod mentioned it last week, just briefly. We live in a society that is attempting to redefine love, to redefine sin, and abolish the traditional family structure. They say making it, making love with no limits, no bounds. Whatever fleshly desire makes you happy, call that love. That's our society, right? That's just the reality we live in. They say sin is no longer sin, but an old traditional perspective, redefined by new thinking, by acceptance. We live in a society where everyone is equal, everyone is tolerant of you until you disagree with a lifestyle or a doctrine, and then all of a sudden you're hateful. I've experienced this. We live in an age where the enemy is trying to attempt to, I guess, thwart the plans of the kingdom by infiltrating the church with these views of tolerance, with false doctrines, wedging us further and further from the truth and godly living. Our church is part of a convention that recently accepted extra biblical texts to help us understand minority groups. I'm not sure I agree with that. We must realize that any time the church pushes forward with the gospel, the enemy pushes back. But we must also realize that we live in an age where there's nothing new under the sun. We just went through Ecclesiastes. There's nothing that surprises the Lord. There's nothing that will ever stop the power of our omnipotent Father. Our ultimate freedom is found in the saving blood of Jesus. Amen? We are free to go with the gospel and live our lives in the truths of Scripture, not because society gives us permission to do that, not because some men decided it's okay, not because our Southern Baptist Convention gives us approval, but because God has set us free. Good timing as this was election week. The purpose of this sermon is to see that the church overcomes deception because the father in us is greater okay i am hoping that we will observe thoroughly three main points of the text this morning first one being test the spirits and teachers around you second one being a true believer affirms christ's full humanity and full deity and the third one being the church has overcome false teachers because of the father in us all right so let's read the text and then we'll pray this morning and and keep going 1 John chapter 4, first six verses. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now it is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray over the text. Lord God, thank you so much for bringing us to this place and the text, for giving us some wisdom here. God, we ask for your continued wisdom and understanding as we go through this text, as we seek to understand um, what you're showing us and what you're leading us to do as a church, as your people. God, we love you and we praise you and we desire your glory, not our own. We desire that your name is proclaimed, not our own. And not false teachings. God, please be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So some themes that we've seen so far in First John. As we've been going through First John, the book, um, these are some of the major themes that, that John desires for his people to have, that he's writing to them to. Um, we see that John really desires the people to know Christ, to truly know Christ and what Christ has done. We also see in First John that he presses the people to love one another. We see that time and time again. Love one another. Keep the commands of the Lord. Abide in Him. For this is how we know someone is in the faith, if you're doing these things. The word love is used 46 times. The word abide is used 23 times in this small book. So you would think there's a message that John is trying to get across to the people. Love and abide. Of all the apostles, John the beloved of Christ would have had one of the deepest understandings of love and abiding in Christ. He was the one that was re- closest with Jesus. He reclined with Jesus at the Last Supper, and he was the only disciple that remained at the foot of the cross upon Jesus' death. We also see a couple places in this book that come across as like a warning, or like a precaution, warning the people against the Antichrist. We see that in chapter 3. And telling the people, test the spirits here in chapter 4. A commentator writes that one of John's aims is to point us back to the finished work of the cross. And that's, I'm hoping, what we're going to see in this text. And because I think that's John's aim. That's John's goal with this entire book. Point us back to the finished work of the cross. And see that the one who lives in the people of God is greater than the Antichrist. Greater than false teachers. Right, so that's our first point this morning. Test the spirits and teachers around you. We see this in verse 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, do we know what this means? There are many false prophets, false teachers among the religious, among the church that claim to be of the Lord. They claim Jesus. They claim biblical teaching, yet their spirit, their teaching denies the true gospel. This verse is showing us that there are many spiritual influences around us, 
influencing the way people behave and what people say. And this is definitely true of teachers. John says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. This is kind of a foreign concept to us, I think, because oftentimes we're quick to ignore or disregard the spiritual realm. In 1 Corinthians, there's a reference to the gift of spiritual discernment. We don't really know what that means, usually. But perhaps uh, discerning what type of spirit a person has or what type of spirit someone is speaking through. Recognizing imposters is probably what that gift is referring to. Here in 1 John, it seems like John is writing more in a general sense. Not talking about the spiritual discernment gift, but to all believers, telling them, test the spirits. And then later telling us how to test the spirits. These verses are written, of course, in the context of the church. Why would believers need to test the spirits in the church? Well, it says right here in the text, to see whether they are from God. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are many teachers in the world, in the church, that have fallen prey to the spiritual influences that are not from God. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now this is a warning to watch out. Beware of the wolves in sheep's clothing. They're in the world, they're in the church, and they're not easy to spot. They will hide who they really are. Their speech will sound something like the gospel. They will use the scriptures even to teach. But their teaching will not lead to true righteousness, true spiritual growth. This is the reality of a false teacher. And what we're seeing in our churches today is that many preachers will preach to what's called the carnal believers. What do I mean by that? Those with itching ears, those with unrepentant hearts, they're carnal, they're living in the flesh. Preachers will preach to them as an attempt to keep the pews filled, to keep the numbers high. To keep the offering high. They will preach to satisfy the masses, even if it means distorting the gospel or watering down the gospel. They will attempt to draw people in with silly slogans like, salvation, so easy a caveman can do it. Are you serious? Salvation that only the Almighty God can do it. They will draw people in with teachings that lead you to think, you need not obey the scriptures, as long as you say this prayer and sit in the pew the rest of your life claiming Christianity, you must be good. There's people sitting in our churches today who have unrepentant hearts calling themselves Christians on their way to hell. This is a serious problem. If people are drawn to Christianity by anything other than Jesus Christ, they probably don't know Christ. They have likely believed a false gospel and a lie. The exclamation of a true believer is that all I have is Christ. There's nothing else. Jesus is our salvation. He is everything and he's, he's more than enough. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus my good works. Preachers and teachers are under a stricter judgment. We must preach and teach the full gospel not an attempt to make Christianity appealing, fancy lights, smoke machines, prosperity. That's not what Christianity is. 
The preaching of a false teacher is not of the Holy Spirit. It's carnal. It's fleshly at best. It's demonic at worst. And they're in the church. Paul Washer, a preacher I listen to sometimes, says, Christianity promises you two things. A cross to die on and eternal life. We must not be fooled into thinking that Christianity offers some kind of physical comfort and material success. In fact, in Scripture, we see the opposite. Physical discomfort, suffering for preaching the true gospel. Test the spiritual influence of your teachers. Check their doctrine. Check their teaching. Does it line up with Scripture? Are they taking verses out of context to make it sound like something that they want? Does it affirm the full gospel? I'm so thankful for the pastors and teachers at Ramsey Creek. Right? We proceed to hear week after week faithful teaching of the scriptures. It seems that the church has developed this atmosphere that's more concerned with uh, the kingdom, the furtherance of the kingdom, than they are the distractions of the world. Praise God for that. It's so encouraging. It's so refreshing to see True teaching, true biblical teaching and the gospel week after week. So that leads us to our second point. A true believer affirms Christ's full humanity and full deity. If you're looking in the text, verses 2 through 3, this is what it says. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So by testing the spirits, we can know if a teacher or a doctrine is from God. John tells us right here, those that confess Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. This is very important to sound doctrine, to sound teaching and the proclamation of the gospel because Jesus is God in the flesh. Let me remind you of the words of Paul in Philippians. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. So affirming the full humanity, the humanity of Christ, him actually in the flesh, is claiming the true gospel. We see later in First John, um, same chapter, 4.15, that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Again, this is the affirming of the basic principles of the gospel, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We can know if someone is a false teacher or even a true believer by whether or not they affirm these truths in Christianity. Now, this reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says about Jesus, he says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg 
This is C.S. Lewis. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman mad or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Those are the words of C.S. Lewis. Either you accept Christ Jesus as fully man and fully God, or you don't accept Jesus. And we have family members that are in this position today. They say, I love the teachings of Jesus. I love his lifestyle. He was the ideal man, but I can't get on board with him being fully God. (laughs) Then you're not accepting Christ. You see, there are many within the church that have believed lies and false images of who God is in their minds. They have created an idol, a God that they can control and is accepting of sin, unrepentant lives, whether denying the full humanity and deity of Jesus or denying the attributes of God himself, as in the Bible. There are many in our churches today who have tried to make God out to be only love, not wrathful, not just, claiming that he would accept and tolerate wickedness. So many have believed the lie that God is automatically going to let them into heaven just because they lived a pretty good life. And God is forgiving, of course. It is true that God is forgiving, but by the means of his atoning blood. Why have so many gone down this destructive path? Because they have been filled with false teachings. Or they have severely misunderstood the scriptures. We see in 1 Timothy, he says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. One preacher says that they have looked at the things of Christ and the gospel and they see little power in it. Or they take little delight in it. So they deny the uniqueness of Christ. And then they end up living this life that claims Christianity, but just going through the motions. Instead, they listen to deceiving spirits and doctrines that are not from Christ. Why? Because they don't like who God really is. They don't like what they see in the scriptures and how God portrays himself. This is perhaps the greatest of the lies to believe, in my opinion. To make God out to be something he's not, as a result, believing a false gospel. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I wouldn't worship a God like that. Do you know who God is? Brothers and sisters, this is why we need to know the scriptures We must stop acting like silly little boys and girls. We must get serious about the truth of God's word, proclaiming God's word. We live in an era where we cannot be so flippant about the attributes in the gospel, the attributes of God in the gospel. We have to know the truth. It is the believer's responsibility to grow and mature, taking on solid food in the scriptures. We must understand that countless lies are forced upon us from our society. Upon new believers that don't know any better. Upon our own children 
in our schools. We have to know the scriptures in and out, lest we be consumed by false teaching. And furthermore, we must be prepared to rebuke and destroy these false teachings when they creep into the church. Brothers and sisters, accepting sin or false doctrine is not love. Verses 2 and 3, by this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. To echo John's words in chapter 2, he mentions the spirit of the Antichrist in verses 18 and 19. When he says that it's the last hour, many Antichrists have come. Then he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. That it might become plain that they were not of us. Those that do not affirm that Jesus has come in the flesh have the spirit of the Antichrist. And it seems apparent that while these were outwardly members of the church, they abandoned the faith and the teachings of the church and the true gospel. They left the fellowship. That leads us to our third point. The church has overcome false teachers because of the Father in us. Verse 4 says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is when the text gets even more encouraging. John distinguishes the true church from those that have been deceived and followed false teachings. Those that have persevered in the faith and are genuine believers have been born of God. They are from God. Turn to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to draw something out here. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So where God once made himself present and dwelt in the physical temple built by Solomon, he now dwells in his church. Not, not a building, but the people of God. Therefore, because God dwells in the people, John says that the church has overcome these false teachers because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The church of God will always overcome deception and false teaching because God is greater than Satan who is in the world. Our Father, who is all-powerful and sovereignly on the throne, is victorious and loves his church. Notice in 1 Corinthians 3, now look at verse 17. It says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. This means that those who attempt to destroy or to defile or corrupt the church, potentially with false teachings, like in the context of 1 John, God will destroy that man. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be on that side of God's wrath. Those that would do such things are not truly members of the body of Christ. They may for some time be among the body of Christ, as if to put on this facade 
for a while, looking like a true member of the body of Christ, looking like the sheep, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. If they are in the church and have such distinct disguise, how will we know if they're false teachers? It's not like they're using the Quran or the Gita, Hindu books, to persuade people of their teachings. No, they're using scriptures. They're misusing scriptures. And they sound authentic. Turn to, turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 15. This is what I quoted earlier. This clears up some things a little bit about false teachers. This is Jesus' words. Matthew 7, verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Keep going. They will know, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Uh, so Jesus directs us beyond the words of the teachers, pointing us to observe the lives of the teachers. So do the teachers that you listen to, do their lives reflect and embrace the gospel and the scriptures? Do you see them taking joy in obeying the scriptures? Not just in their words or in their speech, but in their deed, in their action, observing their fruits. Flip back to 1 John. John says here in verse 5, These false teachers, they are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. They speak with motives and desires that are worldly. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride and possessions, which are not from the Father. We learned that in earlier in first john these motives and desires lead to death because the world that they are of they are of the world is passing away along with its desires false teachers are they're able to get such a large following because they appeal to the desires of the world and the world loves it and they are deceived thinking that they're doing something good but john is clear in verse six we are from god Talking about the true believers, talking about the church. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The children of God are from God. They're born of God. John is likely saying that whoever was truly saved in the church at this time would listen to John himself and the other apostles and their teachings. But whoever was not truly saved would not listen to the apostles and the doctrines of the church. And he says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. As we learn from John 16, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will guide believers into all truth. At least people like we've been talking about, they will resist the teachings of the church. They will distort the gospel because it does not fit their carnal, their fleshly lifestyle. They're not truly one of the sheep. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Those who know the voice of the shepherd abandon everything so that they can be with him. So that's the call this morning. 
Are you in the fold of God? Do you know the voice of the Lord? Or have you been deceived by false teaching? Are you guilty of false teaching? Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's the beauty of the gospel. We can have eternal life because the shepherd, Jesus, laid down his life on the cross for sinners like you and me. And that's why we're unified. That's why we gather. Man, Jasmine and I talk with people on a weekly basis all the time. They're so confused. We do a lot of evangelism in Hannibal. And there's people that are so mixed up, mixing up the gospel, mixing up the true or false teachings that they've heard. Thinking that they'll be okay in eternity because they've done more good than bad. So many people claiming the name of Jesus, yet their lives show no evidence of true repentance and salvation. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants people to be a bad witness for Christ, to lead people away from Christ. Church, we must not be so naive as to let these false teachings and worldly lifestyles creep into our church. Do the work of a mature believer. Study and know the scriptures. Strive to know God deeper, to love God deeper. Test the spirits. Test the teachers around you. See what you're filling your mind with. Is it from God or is it from a demonic influence? That's heavy. Are you being taught the truths of the scriptures? Are those that you listen to of the world or of God? Do you find yourself at odds with the teachings of the church or in full agreement? Persevering in the faith until the end. But do not be overly discouraged if you have believed the false gospel. But understand the true gospel. And understand that the Father has overcome false teachers. We must understand the depths of the gospel. Because all of this points, like I said earlier, to the finished work of the cross. And this is why we gather. This is why we're truly unified. We're not unified because we all grew up in Pike County. We aren't unified because we went to the same school or our families have known each other for centuries. We're unified because of Christ. Finally, we must understand the true gospel. We must understand that Christ is calling us to abandon everything for his name. That doesn't mean going to church, sitting in a comfy chair, living a comfy lifestyle, claiming Jesus and never sharing Jesus. Not actually obeying the commands of Jesus. Earlier in 1 John chapter 3, he said, whoever keeps his commands abides in God. That's how you can test yourself. Are you keeping the commands of God? Because if you're not, are you actually abiding in him? And God abides in that person if you're keeping his commands. So finally we come to this text, we must understand what is the voice from outside influences, the enemy, and what is the voice from our Father. The sheep know his voice, and they come when he calls, because he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. Deny the deception of the enemy, 
truly surrender to Christ. Truly repent and truly love and obey the scriptures. As that's what we're called to do as believers. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, thank you so much for your text. Lord, thank you that we can be unified because of what you have done. It's not something that we have done. But we can sit back and we can reflect on what you've done on the cross for us. Oh Lord, save us. Help us. Forgive us where we fail. Forgive us where we've listened to false doctrines or let false teachings creep into our church. Lord, destroy any false teachings. Let your light shine in this place. Lord, use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.